Welcome to Echoes of Holiness podcast. Lots of people here more capable of doing this than I am. And I don't know, uh, I have prayed and asked the Lord, you know, is there any place where you want me to just stop and quit preaching? And he hasn't given me that liberty yet. He still gives me messages, and I can't do a very good job of delivering them. And uh, my strength, how many know it takes some strength to preach, to sing, to push the service? It takes strength to do that. That's why we need to bear the yoke in our youth. We need to learn to do some things when you're young before you get too old to do it. Amen. So that time will come. David said, I have been young. I'm now old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Uh, to be young in your youth is a wonderful thing. And you'll never have it again. Never have that opportunity but one time in your youth. So while you are in your youth, enjoy it. And uh, realize where that blessing comes from. You, you boys play with your little hot wheels and you girls play with your rag dials because there'll come a time you'll have some real ones and you can't just throw them under the bed and forget about it. Amen. And them hot wheels you're going to have to buy and pay for the payments yourself. And so while you're at mom and daddy's house and they're paying all the bills and keeping you up and feeding you and clothing you, enjoy it. Amen. I know you want to grow up and be grown before you, know, you, before you need to, but uh, you'll get there. Just, amen. I know a grandpa took his little grandboy with him shopping and uh, he left him in the truck and they you know he went into the store left the little boy there in the truck well he had seen grandpa reach over and turn that key and start it and he'd seen him pull down on that shifter and he drove it right into the store but he wasn't ready to drive so, you know, there's things in life that you're not ready to do. But learn while you're young. Amen. When, and you've got the strength and stamina and, and so on to do that. Uh, when, there's a, when there's a war, uh, Uncle Sam is not looking for old men to bear arms. They're looking for young men. Somebody that's that's got the strength to do that. So uh, just remember that. But there will be a time that you'll be old and you can look back and remember how God performed this miracle and that miracle for you and kept you out of that danger and provided this need for you. Praise God. Good to see each and every one of you. Some of your faces I recognize. I can't call your name all together. You know, we change whether you realize it or not, would change. And so uh, uh, I'll, I'll just do the best I can. Amen. And you pray for me. And I, I do have a little something here 
that I'd like to uh, leave with us because this is a very important thing. The Bible said over in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse uh, 23, I think I want, yes. <clears throat> the Bible instructs us to hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. Hold fast. This is a word picture of someone grabbing with a strong grip of something that is important to hold on to. When we were in the Navy, if anybody happened to fall overboard, they yelled out, man overboard. Somebody throw him a line. Do you think that he would just nonchalant, dilatory, maybe get a hope of that, uh, that line uh, casually? No, but that was his lifeline. And if he had time, he would wrap it around him and tie it. Amen. That way the line is holding him as he holds the line. Amen. So hold fast to the, uh, to the profession of our faith. Hold on to that profession of our faith. Amen. I, I went to a Baptist church one night. I didn't get saved that night. But I got what is necessary to get saved. I was convicted of my sin. Amen. You will never get saved until you're convicted of your sin. Amen. With godly sorrow so much that you want to get rid of that. But you realize you can't get rid of it because you can't save yourself. And you cannot get saved anytime you want to. No, no, I think we have preached the prodigal son so much until boys and girls think they can go and come anytime they want to. You can't do it. You can't do it. Amen. Unless the Spirit of God deals with your heart, you'll never be saved. And so I was convicted that I wanted to be saved. Man, I wanted to be saved. I'd made New Year's resolutions. I'd promised Mama I'd do better. I'd promised my wife I'd do better, hadn't been married long. And uh, I had some bad habits, uh, may, maybe not near as much as some folks has had, but I was lost. I was hell bound. Right. Amen. Amen. I needed to be saved. To be saved. That night, we were visiting with my in-laws. We was living in Chicago at that time. We went down to Southern Illinois to visit with them. And the rest of the family went on in the house. I walked off out in the cow pasture. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to pray at all. And, uh, but I, I, I began to try. And uh, I do remember this of my prayer. And that probably was about all there was to it. I said, God, if you will let me live until tomorrow night, I'm going to go to that altar. Whether any, see, I thought people had come back. Someone give me a personal invitation. I'd seen them do that in some services. And nobody came to me and asked me personally, so I didn't go to the altar. But I meant to go to that altar if God let me live till the next service. Amen. I don't know what the preacher preached. I don't know what they sang. Amen. But as soon as the altar call was made, I made, they had two little altars there. 
And I went to one on this side, and I prayed too. I didn't pray a long time. I went to church to get saved. Amen. I was ready to get saved. Hallelujah. I think people didn't have to tell me I got saved. I told them. I didn't understand most of salvation. There's things I don't even understand all of it now. And I've been trying to preach for over 60 years. Amen. This is the great thing, the plan of salvation. And the mystery of being born again. If you're in Christ, you're a new creature. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Amen. And so I, I said, the Lord saved me. That was the profession of my faith. And when I was baptized in water, that was the profession of my faith. Amen. It was an outward profession of an inward possession. I was testifying that I died to sin as Christ had died for my sin. I was buried in his death and I rose in, in resurrection and a new life. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But I'm glad God didn't leave me in a Baptist church. Amen. And so my wife and I was living in one room apartment in Chicago everybody on that flat up there used one restroom and imagine that trying to get ready to go to work and uh, but anyway we had the Lord in our life my wife looked in the newspaper to try to find a, a church to attend because we didn't know where to go to church and she found an ad of a little Pentecostal church. It was a storefront church. Now, I'll tell you, folks, it probably would be a little easier on folks if they had the opportunity, like many of you had, that everybody's trying to do the right thing and dress the right way and say the right things and go to the right places and refuse the wrong things. Amen. It wasn't that way. It wasn't that way. And I'll tell you what, you can become holiness in a worldly church if you want to. If you get the want to in your heart, amen, I didn't know anything. Hey, I was about eight years old before I ever saw a Bible. I, I didn't know what a Bible was. My daddy had killed a man, was in prison. My older half-brothers was all in trouble with the law. I, I got to thinking about this some years back, and I... I, I, I'd think about it and I'd want to go to the courthouse and get the records of my daddy's uh, conviction and his imprisonment and so on, and then I'd back out. I wouldn't do it. And so finally one day I got the courage to do so, and it wasn't on my daddy in trouble. My brothers was all in trouble with the law. Some died with charges hanging over the head. My daddy's first wife died with tuberculosis. The first three boys had tuberculosis like their mama did. Amen. The first two died about her age, about 22. But before they got to that age, they'd been in serious trouble with the law. Amen. And that's the kind of background I came from. Amen. The Tinsley name wasn't an honorable name. Amen. But I, I want to tell you this morning right here at Dripping Springs Camp Meeting, 
thank God you can be more honorable than your brethren. Amen. Jabez, the Bible said, was more honorable than his brother. When Jabez was born, his mother named him Sorrow. Can you believe that, that a mother would name her child Sorrow? I don't know why she did that. Amen. Whether her husband had left her to raise this child alone, whether it was an illegitimate, I don't know. Amen. But he had a sorry name. But thank God one day he called on God. One day he called on God. Amen. Lord, I don't like this sorry name. Amen. I don't like this dishonorable name. Lord, I want an honorable name. I want you to increase my, my borders. Amen. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you, God can bless you in a bad situation. God set us down in a little old worldly Pentecostal church, amen, with a woman preacher that bobbed her hair and painted her face, amen. But God began to deal with me and my wife to read the scripture and pray and seek God. Hallelujah. And the more we read, the more we laid off, amen. Oh, hallelujah. She quit wearing her britches. She quit painting her lips. Quit cutting her hair. Amen. I quit smoking and quit uh, running with the bad crowd. Hallelujah. I didn't have to learn to quit cussing. Amen. God just took the cusser out. Hallelujah. One brother that I know said when he got saved, he lost about half of his vocabulary. Well, that's the half he needed to lose. Amen. Hallelujah. He'll give you a new speech. How many know that? Amen. God will give you new desires and a new spirit. Hallelujah. A new direction. And anoint your feet, praise God, that you'll go to the right places. Amen. About everybody in the church was getting TVs. That's about when they first started coming out. We never had a TV to our name. Amen. But I did do, I love country western music. Oh, I did. I tried to sing it like old Ernie Tubb. I'd walk the floor over you and all those. But I'm glad God gave me a better song. A better song. But I, uh, God give us a good apartment to live in too. Four rooms instead of one. I got it cheaper than one. Amen. God was blessing us. And I got me a new guitar. And boys is trying to learn how to play the guitar just real good. And I was trying to learn and play in church. You know, most of the worldly people out there that's made it to the big time, learn to play in the house of God. And they took their talent outside the house of God and corrupted it and became corrupted theirself. That's right, amen. Many of our children, many people from the background, we could name names. Some of them I've seen some of their pictures recently, you know, somewhere. And I'm telling you, they look like death warmed door. And I said, my God, the devil's a mean old devil. Oh, what a, what a sorry life, amen. Some, some year or so ago, 
a, a friend of mine that preached me a revival as a young preacher. I was pastoring at Seabury, Kentucky. And, uh, and I'd met him and I invited him to come by. He was in a trial, and I knew he was. And the Lord said, get that young man to come by. And uh, I never tried to advise him nothing. In fact, I'll tell you what the deal was. He was engaged to get married right away to a girl that later became very worldly. And uh, he didn't know that, of course. But uh, while he was there, he prayed through and God showed him not to bear her. Talk to me about it. I said, if God show you not married, don't marry. Hey, it's better. It's better to back out at the wedding altar than to go through with something. Amen. And run your life for eternity. Amen. Girls, I want to tell you, boys, listen. Besides getting saved, getting married is one of the most important things that you'll ever face in your life. Girls, don't choose somebody that sits on the back seat. Amen. Choose someone that you know is getting in and serving God. Don't marry some old alley cat thug. Amen. That's going to walk off and leave you with two or three crying babies. Just because you think they're cute. They ain't going to be so cute when they're out running around with some Jezebel and you're at home with some crying babies. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Where was I at here? Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, sitting there playing that guitar, feeling my Cheerios, and the Spirit of God, I didn't hear a voice, but the Spirit of God spoke to me. I knew it. I knew it, Brother James Williams. And the Holy Ghost said to me, that is not the kind of music that'll help you live a good Christian life. I was listening to a program called The Supper Time Frolic. And they had a fellow spinning the records by the name of Randy Blake. I still remember that. Man, I loved it. But God said, that ain't what you need. That ain't what you need. Brother Sammy Cottrell, I walked over to that radio. I never argued with God. I turned that off. I turned it off. I ain't looked for it since. Uh, some years ago, of course, I've traveled up and down the roads of America preaching. And usually when I got through the revival, I headed home. My family wasn't with me. I headed home to my family. Uh, that night, and I was traveling way down south somewhere, I don't know, Alabama, Mississippi, wherever. And that old radio wasn't very good, but I thought they used to have a lot of preaching on night. Wasn't, most of it wasn't fit to listen to, but sometimes they'd have some singing that's pretty good. So I was trying to find some either preaching or some music that I could listen to on that AM ref radio. And I found somebody singing something that sounded like hellfire. Hellfire. 
Y'all know my wife wrote some songs, and she wrote one about dives being in hell. And, uh, boy, I was trying to get that a little clearer, you know. I happened to realize, hey, they ain't singing about hellfire. They're saying Elvira. Some old flame that they knew back in the years back. So, I turned it off. Amen. Hallelujah. But, I got... I got introduced to camp meeting somewhere along the way, and I fell in love with camp meeting. Amen. Do you love camp meeting? Do you love camp meeting enough to keep this camp meeting going? The Bible said, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. Not grandma's faith, our faith, my faith. Your faith. Do you have a faith that you want to hold on to? Do you have a faith that you want to pass on to your children? One year I preached on passing the faith about everywhere I went. Amen, folks. We don't only need the faith for ourselves. We need to pass it on to Susie and Junior. Amen. And, and work hard that they'll pass it on to their children. Now, let me tell you something. Here's where we're at. Here's where we're at, children. Amen. We're at a spot in America. We're at a spot in our Christian endeavor that uh, the younger generation, amen, don't have the desire Amen, to go to camp meeting and keep the camp meeting going like the older folks did and make the dedication that mama made and daddy made and grandma and grandpa. Let me tell you, I didn't go to camp meeting, amen, to just see who was there. I didn't go there just for an outing, amen. I mean, I didn't go there for a picnic. I went there for the spiritual, amen, results that I got. I got a renewing in my heart. I got a renewing in my, and I wasn't interested in leaving. I, I was so thrilled I didn't want the meeting to be over with. Now we have a generation that likes to come to camp meeting like it was a school reunion or a family reunion. They like to come one day a week and see who's there. Amen. And you can visit about your children, grandchildren, and that's about what it amounts to. But we're lacking in that spirituality. Oh, if I could just get close to God. Oh, if I could get together and all of us get to praying together. All of us singing together. All of us worshiping together. That's what it's about, folks. We need the, we need the local church. We gotta have it. We need local services and they're good. Amen. God don't expect us to shout all the time. Amen. God don't expect us to shout. Amen. Uh, uh, every service. Amen. But we can shout all along the way. We don't shout all the way, but we can shout all along the way. There'll be times in our lives, and if we're there, when the Spirit of God moves among us, my friend, we can have, amen, a shouting service, and it's not always that shouting service, but it's that service that, that just deals with your heart and just rings you out, amen, until, amen, you become nothing and he becomes everything. 
Some of our first camp meetings were started by the Methodists and by Presbyterian and Baptists. But the Methodists kept it going longer than anybody else. One of the first camp meetings I ever went to was an old Methodist campground near my home where I was born in Tulu, Kentucky. In fact, I think it's still going on. Nothing like it was when old Uncle Bud Robinson, old Uncle Bud Robinson, just an old cowboy that couldn't read, didn't know nothing. Stuttered. Amen, stuttered, amen. But he got saved. Oh, he really made a change. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uncle Bud, he said, after he got in there and got sanctified, they, them old Methodists would call it the second blessing. Some of them called it the Holy Ghost. Amen. Uh, an old Methodist preacher got killed, car run over him, his wife gave me a bunch of old books. Amen. They called their printing office, they called it uh, uh, the Pentecostal printing uh, uh, shop or whatever they called it. But it's Pentecostal. And they, they talked about the Pentecostal experience. Now I know some of you don't like the word Pentecostal, but I'm glad to identify with you that I believe in the Pentecostal experience. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Amen. I don't want to throw that part away just because some folks have not lived good that wants to uh, claim the word Pentecostal in, in their experience. Amen. I'm still, I'm still Pentecostal. I'm holiness, but I'm Pentecostal. Amen. There was a time I didn't know nothing about holiness at all, as I told you. I never seen a Bible until I was about eight years old. Went to visit my uncle, and he called us children in before dark and or about dark, and he said, "Come on in, children. It's time to pray. It's time for uh, family reunion. I, I mean, family uh, devotion. I didn't know what family devotion was." I didn't know what family prayer meeting was, but Uncle Jack and all of us got down on the floor on our knees, and he prayed. Jack's wife, brother, Uncle Jack's wife wasn't saved. Ain't any wasn't saved. She was a good woman, but she wasn't saved. Amen. He is the only one there that was saved, but Uncle Jack prayed. Amen. And like I say, my whole family was not honorable. And... Uh, but after a while, he took a Bible down off the shelf, and he began to read to us. I realized that this book was a different book. It wasn't filled with Mother Goose rhymes. Amen. It wasn't a fairy tale, but it was something real. And as he read it, I could feel virtue from it, even though I was an eight-year-old child. Amen. Praise God. And that made an impression on me later on. Uh, mother got saved amen and there was a little turnaround in our life living in an old storefront building amen uh, praise God and had curtains uh, stretched across the room to divide off rooms she had a big brood of children to take care of because she and my dad um, had nine children when they married her first husband is dead dead and her, his first wife had died, so they had nine children when they come together. And they wasn't needing any more children in that family. And I guarantee they weren't out trying to adopt any. And it was during about the start of the depression that I was born. I don't really think I caused the depression, 
But I didn't help it any. I, I didn't help it any because they had one more mouth to feed. Amen. But they had me on their hands and I, I was there. And so that's the way life was for us. Amen. For many years there. But mom had this. And she told me in later years, said, son, some of my people wanted me to give you children away. And I said, no, if they're mine. I'll take care of them. Amen. Amen. Mother washed over an old washboard. Took in washings and ironings for other people. Amen. But she prayed. And God sent help. Us kids, we lived beside the railroad track and we'd go up and down the railroad track picking up coal. But you know, there was a man up over the railroad track that had a coal yard. And sometimes he'd direct his drivers. You stop down there, Miss Tinsley's house, throw off a little coal for them. And there was a man out the edge of town had a dairy. And he went around town with a one-horse wagon uh, peddling milk and taking it to customers. Once in a while, Mr. Nichols had a bunch of milk on hand. He'd come back by the Tinsley's and leave us some milk. How many know milk and cornbread is still good? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Oh, God's good. But back to the camp meeting. About 1800, 1801 or two, there's three preachers decided to get together somewhere around Lexington, Kentucky to have a uh, uh, the Lord's Supper and foot washing service. And a great revival broke out among them. This place is called Cane Ridge, Kentucky. This used to be in our, uh, our Kentucky history book. And uh, so this thing spread to other churches and other communities. Of course, the country was sparsely populated. But as soon as people heard, and people come from Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, all around there and converged on Cane Ridge, Kentucky. And they had one of the most outstanding revivals. There'd be maybe a crowd of 300 here, somebody jump up in the wagon bed and preach a while and exhort a while and people would be crying, praying. Amen. There'd be somebody on a stump over yonder preaching. Amen. Bunch over there praying, crying out to God. People screaming. Amen. And jerking. They said they'd get the jerks. Amen. Women come in, old big old hairdos, you know, and fancy, and they's all prepped up, you know, and God's get a hold of them and, amen, shake them real good and, and uh, shake all the pride out of them. And they'd get down and pray through to a good experience in the Lord. So that's kind of the way that our camp meetings uh, got started in the 1800s. And there was a fellow up at uh, around Abington, Virginia, by the name of uh, Bob Sheffy. They called him the Wilderness Prophet. Bob Sheffy was, he and his brother was orphans. And uh, his uncle was a rich man, and he took those boys, finished raising them. He wanted to send them to college, make them doctors and lawyers, and he did the one boy, but Bob didn't like college. And, but he got saved. 
He got saved in an old Methodist camp, I mean church house. And um, Bob got a great experience, and they said he wasn't much of a preacher. But oh, when he prayed, it was like he was in the throne room of God. Amen. And so uh, he, uh, is, they, ha they had a lot of problem. The bishops realized that they couldn't really have wholeness people uh, if they continued to bootleg and make uh, bootleg whiskey and run their steels and stuff of that sort. So they talked to Bob and got him to visit those that was making whiskey and try to get them to change and not do that. And old Bob would visit them and, of course, make some of them so mad. And, uh, uh, and, you know, but they say that he had more to do with breaking up the liquor business than, than all the revenue officers. And he begged the bishops. He said, let's don't lose our camp meetings. If we do, we're going to lose our wholeness standard. Right. Amen. They, they were the wholeness people that day. They believed in a sanctified life, and they was walking what light they had. Amen. And so we owe it to them to a great extent of uh, some of our standard, praise the Lord. And so uh, uh, Bob, of course, he, he made his plea to them, and they, they, they didn't do that. But it reminds me of the people of Israel when they came out of bondage and they got uh, to Jordan. And... Uh, uh, Reuben, Reuben and Gad, the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh saw the land that it was good for cattle. And they said, hey, you know, why don't you just let us have our portion over here on this side of Jordan? And at first, Joshua and Moses was against that. But they said, we'll go fight with you. We'll help you conquer your land. And so they finally give in to it. Amen. But I'm trying to get a point over. Amen. You see, when they crossed that river, Joshua said, listen, I want you to get some stones where them priests are standing. And I want you to carry them over on the other side. Then I want you to get some over there, and I want you to carry them out there and lay them down the river. Amen. And in years to come, when the children I say, what meaneth these stones? Joshua say, this represents when we cross Jordan. And God rolled back the water. Amen. And we came across on dry land. That represented their testimony. Their profession of their faith. They was holding on to it. Amen. By building a memorial. And they built an altar over there. And later on, amen, Reuben and Gad, amen, wanted to build and did build an altar on the other side of the river. And there was almost war over it. And they said, oh, we're not, we're not, wait a minute here. We're not going to offer sacrifice. We're not going to offer sacrifice. We're just going to have an altar. Amen. Folks, are we just going to have a memorial? I mean, we're just going to have an altar? Or are we going to have a real memorial that means something to us? I remember where I got sanctified. I remember where I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I remember where God healed me. I remember where God performed this miracle for me. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Are we building memorials or are we just going to uh, build a place to come back to, amen, and have a reunion? Amen. Listen, we need more than a reunion. Amen. We meet, need more than seeing one another's face and see how you've aged and see your children and your grandchildren. Amen. We need to have some new experiences among us, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just a little bit more. When... Our forefathers came to this country. The first bunch that tried to establish a colony was called Jamestown. We don't know exactly what happened at Jamestown. Most of them died. They were captured or killed or whatever. We don't know for sure. But in England, there was two groups of people. Now, I know this is not very spiritual to you. I know that. But I'm trying to teach you some things. There was two groups of people over there that saw the corruption of the Church of England. You see, the English Church, the Church of England, was the state church. It was the church that the king or the queen was the head of. And they didn't want anybody else to have any other churches and do any other preaching. That's why Bunyan was put in prison because he didn't have any license to preach. One day and he was in prison for 12 years. And he had a little blind daughter at home and once in a while the guard let him out and he'd slip home and see his family. And the officials told him one day, Bunyan, we'll let you out of jail if you promise not to preach. He said, you let me out this morning. I'll, let, I'll find a place to preach before the sun goes down. He had a determination to hold fast to the profession of his faith. Amen? And so, uh, these, uh, there was one group they called separatists. And... Um, they felt like they just had to separate from the Church of England. They wanted to purify. They wanted to purify the Church of England. They didn't know how. But they wanted to save their children. They wanted to save their families. And they didn't see anything else to do but walk off from England. Walk off. And so the Dutch let them come to their country. And there was therefore... I don't know how many years. They was there for a while. They was losing their children uh, to the corruption of the Dutch children. Many of their boys is going to sea on the, on the ships by 13, 14, 15 years old. The girls was marrying or getting them in bad shape and, and, and to corruption. So they heard about the new land and they pooled all the resources to come here. We call them the uh, pilgrims. I don't know, somebody attached that name to them and it stuck. So we call them the pilgrims. That's the one we usually study about or read about in our early history uh, around uh, Thanksgiving time. But there was another group that was called the Puritans. And uh, 
they felt like if they came to America and they established a church, grace would be upon them in such a way they would be a city on a a shining city on a hill. And it would cause those in the Church of England back home to see a deeper experience. They believe very strongly in, in the fathers leading the family. They, very, they believe very strongly in education. They established some of the uh, uh, great education uh, universities in America that has later gone corrupt and, and as liberal as they can go, Harvard and, and uh, Yale and, and those. Amen. But they believed in, in education. And, and they believed in their, their uh, new uh, people coming into the church. See, they had church membership. And one of the things they believed in was infant uh, baptism. Uh, just They wasn't much different from the Catholic Church, except they didn't recognize the Pope. But anyway, they wanted their babies to be baptized. They wanted their children to be able to be married in the church. And uh, young people weren't confessing any experience that they could point to. And so they was losing out. And they was losing members. And nobody to take their place. What are we going to do? Amen. So one man who happened to be the grandfather of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was one of the leaders of the first great awakening. He preached that great sermon, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And sinners fell and screamed and cried for mercy and prayed all night long in that meeting. And so anyway... Jonathan Edwards did not accept what his grandfather came up with in order to restore some, some people in the church or some more members. And he said, how about us having a halfway covenant? A halfway covenant. If they'll just promise to come to church. If they'll just promise to bring their children. They can have their babies baptized. Their young people can be married in church. Amen. Folks, the devil has offered us a halfway conf a covenant. Amen. Amen. How many young people do we have in our churches that are not even seeking to be sanctified? that are not even wanting to be separated. How many do we have that do not covet and desire and thirst for the baptism of the Holy Ghost? This is what we're suffering from. Amen. We don't see as much among some of you, but we see it. Amen. It's getting a greater grip. A halfway covenant. Is what the devil is offering the church today. And the camp meeting has helped Bill Tinsley and his wife hold on to the to the to the faith, amen, that we got. Amen. And held on to. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul not only finished his course, but he kept the faith. Amen. My friend, 
Uh, we've got a lot of people finishing their course and getting old and dying, but some of them have not kept their faith. Amen. It just it just dumbfounds me. It just stirs me up so I don't know what to do about other than pray. And I hear about this couple that I think is a good, clean, wholeness couple. And they busted up. And they went their ways, separate ways. Amen. They're married to somebody else. My God. Amen, folks. It'd be better to be a heathen and never heard the word of God and never heard wholeness preached. Amen. Then to hear it and walk off from it and say I don't want it I'll take a halfway covenant amen my friend Amen. we're coming to the judgment we're coming to the judgment are we going to have any memorials that we can point our children to I never took I never took a vacation in my life partly because I couldn't afford it Next thing, most of the places I didn't want to go. Amen. They didn't have anything for me. They didn't have anything for my children. But I took them to revivals and camp meetings. Amen. I've drove and fought sleep. Amen. And drove and fought sleep simply because I wanted to keep my children in the house of God. Amen. I, I feel a little bit. My daughter Kathy, the oldest girl, oldest child. When she was a teenager, Brother James and Sister Tina went to church with her. They, they know Kathy. Kathy was a rebellious young person. She didn't want all this. She didn't want nothing to do with it. She's 22 years old. One day she said she's leaving. Well, that'd been all right if she was ready, but I knew she wasn't ready. I said, you're not going. Well, I'll show you. I'm 22 years old. I said, I know it, honey. I know how old you are. I was right there and you was born. Been with me all your life. She went to pack her suitcase. I went to the woods. I cried and begged God. Now Holy Ghost said, she won't leave. She ain't going to leave. I went back in and I told her. I said, well, the Lord said you wasn't going to leave. She said, well, I'll show you. So car pulled up and she walked in got her suitcase and walked out the devil said boy you sure missed it this time I know what you're wrestling I know what you're facing mothers and dads sometimes that far country is just down the hall in the bedroom can you hear me can you hear me amen They can't hear you. Even though you're calling their name in prayer, they've stopped their ears. Amen. My daughter walked out of that house with her suitcase, got in the car, 
But God came down in that car in such a way and she began to bawl and cry and say, I can't go. I can't go. Today, my daughter is a wholeness woman. She loves wholeness. She said, Daddy, I wish I had a went around some of the people that you went around more. Said, they're just so nice. Said, oh, I have enjoyed meeting so many of them. I wish I'd have done that. She could have done that if she wasn't rebellious. But she rebelled and got married in rebellion. And she has, she has suffered because of that rebellion. Amen. I'm trying to preach to us this morning, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Amen. I want to leave some memorials over here for my children. I don't have money to leave to them. I don't have property. I just got an old house, not worth much. I already left it to my youngest daughter that's never married. Been with us all the time. Helps take care of my wife. Left it to her and one of the other girls. So, but it's not leaving them much. But what I want to leave them is, honey, you can trust in this. Honey, you can trust in Jesus. You can trust in prayer. There's a memorial you can get a hold of. Amen. That'll help you to hold fast. Amen. In closing, the old time people that I remember used to sing an old song. On stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possession lies. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. What's this mean, Dad? Well, right over there in Jordan, if I'd have crossed over and stayed there, I could have had my possession there. I could have had, amen, sanctification, the baptism of the Holy Ghost and wouldn't have to do with a halfway covenant. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. On stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possession lies. Oh, I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. I am bound.
how many would like to have the Holy Ghost this morning? How many would like to seek sanctification this morning, this service? Amen. If not right now, promise God, Lord, I'll seek for that experience until it comes down and engulfs my soul. I'll not leave this meeting without it if you'll help me. If you'll be like some of the old timers that took time out from praying a plow and weather and rest their team and pray in the uh, uh, fence row and say, Lord, if you don't baptize me right here, you'll find my bones when you come back for the saints of God. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. Oh, I am bound for the promised land. sanctified and filled with the whole I hope you are but if you're not children you can be this experience is for you and for our children and as many as the Lord God shall call you mean it's for a Tinsley a Tinsley can have this you mean a Gerald Anderson can have this amen my God have mercy amen what wonderful what a wonderful what a wonderful Some of you mamas and daddies and you're struggling and you don't know what to do. I'll tell you what, you need more power with God. And this will help you to have more power. Amen. 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 Listen, if I'd have been a jellyfish and give in to my daughter that day, I don't know what she'd have turned out to be. But today she's wholeness. Eventually it got a hold of her. This faith got a hold of her. And she got it for herself. And if we keep a hold of it and keep a holding this up, oh, on Jordan, stormy banks, I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair happy land where my possession lies. How many would like to have that experience? How many would like to have a renewal in that experience? Glory. Come on, raise your hands. Let's worship God. Let's worship God this morning. Let's praise Him. Let's magnify Him.
How many's ever heard a 90-year-old man preach? <laughs>